It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling Gulf Coast is the inspirational voice of Gulf Coast fishing and conservation. Hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist, conservationist, and flounder revolutionary, Chester Moore. Be ready for a relentless pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of fishing adventure. Welcome to Higher Calling Gulf Coast. This is Chester Moore. And, um... Man, uh, about a month ago, I had Captain Brian Barrera on. We talked a lot of things about fishing around South Padre, from snook to supersized trout to tarpon. But we're beginning our flat fishing series with the flat slam, which, of course, is the tarpon, the permit, and the bonefish. And the first shot across the bow here is going to be Captain Brian Barrera. Welcome back to Higher Calling Gulf Coast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Man, I saw a picture of you a few days ago with a pretty nice tarpon. So you guys are already starting to catch a few down there? Yes, sir. They're already here. The fish are migrating through. Um, mostly, uh, for the most part, the fish are a little bit smaller mm-hmm. this time of year. But there's definitely some big ones. If you get a calm day, you can get out there and you can find the pods of the bigger fish. We had a really good day recently, and I think we uh, hooked 700-plus pound fish. We landed four of them. Um, just happened to get some really calm weather, which is probably one of the earlier times that I've caught, you know, triple digit fish in the season. Usually it's not until, uh, later in July, August, September, October, beginning of October that I'm catching the really, the big hammer, hammer dogs, called hammer dogs, big old, big old tarpon, you know, a hundred plus pound fish. But, you know, we found a good group of them. I must've seen a hundred of them that day and, you know, we hooked seven of them and, and, uh, landed four and that's a pretty good number. You know, for those fish not being, I wasn't expecting it, so I was a little bit undergunned. You know, I usually like to use 100-pound leader and stuff for those fish. Mm-hmm. I was undergunned, and I had to battle them with 60-pound leader because I'm used to fighting the fish that are usually here right now, which is like the uh, smaller fish, 25 to like 80-pounders. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, 80 mm-hmm. pounds would be a really big one usually, you know. Um, but you find those those big ones passing through, and I'm learning that, uh, you know, the tarpon, we get such little opportunity uh, here in our area, you know, compared to, like, Florida and other places to go out and fish for them when we get the calm weather and whatnot, that, you know, it's still a learning process. I know guys who've been tarpon fishing for 20 years and are still learning because they, you know, they go out there uh, only 15, 25 times a year, you know, and other guys get a full, you know, three-month season every day at night in other places, you know, and they get a lot longer of a learning period, you know, so... Like I said, I'm learning. That's what I love about the tarpon is I don't only get a small period of time to fish for them. I'm learning about them every day and every time I fish for them. I'm still so so new to it, even though I've been fishing for them for over you know 10, 12 years. Uh, it's still I still learn every time I go, you know. And they usually teach me a lesson rather than me teaching them a lesson. But well, I love it. Well, they're intriguing fish, you know. Uh, our reds, our specks, our flounder. You know, flounder will leave and go into. The golf during the winter, but there's still holdover fish. Those are fish that are going to be there 365 at some level in our base systems and around the jetties and things. But these tarpon are mysterious. As a matter of fact, there's not even that much information about these populations in the, in the part of the Gulf of Mexico and the Western Gulf where in compared to other species. So let's just kind of dial it back a little bit. And down in this uh, southern, uh, the very southern tier of the Texas coast, um, you mentioned that they, these fish will come in. So uh, do you have any... Uh, fish that are there year round, like maybe juveniles and that kind of stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, so uh, Chester, we've got a, a pretty good juvenile population. Population of uh, 
of tarpon. Sometimes my guys will come with a fly rod and catch one. And he thinks he's got a bait fish on it. It's a two pound tarpon. Hey, nothing you wrong know? with that, man. I'm down with that. Uh, on nothing the fly wrong rod. with that. They're they're awesome. They're still <laughs> jumping around, and bouncing around, you know. And uh, sometimes we'll catch them thirty pounds. You know, once they get above that thirty to forty pound range, they're usually. Uh, I think that they can keep up with the bigger ones and they start to migrate out with them. Once they get to be that size, I feel like these smaller ones uh, will lag behind and they'll get picked off by something big because it's a big ocean out there and there's bigger fish than tarpon out there. And These little 15-pounders that try to keep up with these 100-pounders just wouldn't be able to do it. So they like to uh, find places to stage along along their migration and they'll sit there, you know, lots of places south of us in Mexico, a couple of little mini fisheries and you know, uh, north of us here too, you'll see some, some juvenile tarpon and some backwaters and stuff that'll hang until hang for a year or two, even longer until they get that size that they can keep up with those big ones. Like I said, we have a good juvenile population here of tarpon that'll hang out year round. Some months are harder than others to find them, but they're always there. Yeah. So when does it kind of start getting good? Maybe you're catching the juveniles and a few of those little bit bigger fish, like those 50, 60, 80 pounders might show up. Is that, is that pretty much when it starts warming up like June, July? As soon as it starts, as soon as it starts warming up and the water temperature hits about 70 to 75 degrees, those tarpons start migrating North. Mm -hmm. They start coming up here to hang out Mm -hmm. and then, uh, they'll be passing through like we're talking, you know, migratory fish. Uh, yeah, probably end of May beginning of june you know and uh they'll start pushing through and then as it gets heavier they'll push through and then they'll come back down from what i've read and what i have seen they'll come back down and uh pass through again you know and that's when you get a lot of the very big ones that are hugging the shores and stuff like that very big ones that are here at the end of the season you know the silver king is definitely uh you know, it's hard to say what's the most prestigious fish in the world, but definitely for fish you're going to find anywhere near inland. The tarpon has to be, you know, right there at the top of the list. Uh, I don't know yeah. a, a single angler on the planet that does not want to catch a tarpon if they know tarpon exist. And uh, for Texas anglers, I mean, we have a tarpon alley up here on the upper coast by me, about 40, 50 miles from me, uh, down between High Island and uh, San Luis Pass, that area. Uh, there's some good fishing at different places around Port O'Connor, different pockets of tarpon. But you mentioned something earlier, like you could probably catch in July, late July through September tarpon, particularly on any day out of High Island. But literally in that 90 day window, you might have 15 days you could fish out there. So uh, uh-huh. I'm sure you guys, like everybody in Texas, kind of has to work around the weather on this stuff. Yep, we work around the, the weather. The weather is the most important thing. I always say the fish are out there. There's a lot more tarpon than we think. We just can't get to them. Yeah. If I get the good weather, I'm gonna. I tell my clients that I'm. I feel you know very confident. I'm gonna get us the shots at them. Yeah. So I'm gonna find the fish, whether they're gonna eat for us or not. That that's a whole other story because they're they're picky sons of guns, you know. So, uh, we can always find them. There's a lot of them there. We just need the weather. We need the opportunity. Is what we really need. So let's talk about once you, you got the weather, you know, the migration's kicking in, you're hearing some reports of fish moving over, maybe seeing them on some of your snook or trout charters, you're seeing some, you know, some tarpon out there moving around. What does a Brian Barrera tarpon fishing day look like for your clients? I mean, what are you doing? Are you going out there, are you sight fishing, you drifting live bait, what's yep. going on? Yep, I like to start off, you know, uh, when, when we got low light conditions, and I really like to try to sight cast those rolling fish early. Yeah. We'll uh, either hang out at the jetties or hang out at a couple of spots I know where 
where the tarpon like to get up and get active in the morning and show themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll try to sight cast them with artificials usually uh, early, the first two hours of the day, two and a half hours a day. Once the sun gets up a little bit, I'll go and, uh, you know, throw a net, get a couple of baits, whether we're doing live bait or dead bait that day, whatever they're, whatever they've been eating for me lately. And we'll start cruising around and looking for the big ones. And once I get to an area where I know they are, you know, I'll, I'll set out usually one live bait or something or one dead bait, something hanging off the back. And I'll have uh, my clients up in the front trying to sight cast rollers or trying to blind cast into pockets in certain areas where, you know, they hang out. And I'll see them on my GPS, you know. Uh, they're not always rolling on top, but I see them on the GPS. Uh, <clears throat> I have side imaging. And I'll see them, you know, to like out to the left, maybe 25 yards on the GPS. It'll say, it's actually feet, so it'll say 50 feet, 60 feet. I'll say, okay, I just saw one pass by on the GPS about 50 feet to the left. Throw a couple of blind casts in that area, see if you can hook up. Sometimes they hook up, sometimes they don't, you know. Lots of times that fish that I see on the GPS is the first fish of like a 20-fish school, you know. So they cast right in there and hook up real quick. They're not necessarily hooking the one that I saw on the GPS, but they're hooking, you know, fish that are there. Yeah, you mentioned and, uh, something key about tarpon earlier, and I experienced this in Florida back in April. Um, you know, you think you said you had seven fish, and uh, and you had a, like half of that that you actually brought to the boat. That's probably a pretty good ratio. Tarpon are notorious for having a bony mouth and being difficult to hook, aren't they? Yep, definitely, definitely, especially the small and twenty-five pound fish. And we landed two of them. I'd be pretty happy, you know, because even those small ones jump a lot. Those really big ones, mm-hmm. lots of times, uh, you can get a hook in them, you know. And it depends also because a few, two of those were on artificial lure, DOA bait buster, and uh, good sharp hooks. You know, I sharpen the hooks on them, keep those good for them. But uh, two of them were on circle hooks. You know, if you can get the big ones on the circle hooks and they run away from you, mm-hmm. then you've got a good chance of hooking them because that circle will get them right in the top of the lip there. You know when they pull it away, but if they eat it coming at you and jump at you, you've got less of a hookup ratio just because of the way that circle hook is made. We're going to take a minute to check in with our partners at Texas Fishing Game. I am the editor in chief of Texas Fishing Game, the oldest and largest outdoors magazine in Texas, and its sister website, fishgame.com. Between these two award winning outlets, we cover everything outdoors in Texas and beyond. While we provide you with plenty of hook and bullet how-to information, we have committed our resources to bring you the most comprehensive coverage of wildlife, habitat, and environmental issues that we can. You can get this award-winning coverage by subscribing to Texas Fishing Games Print Edition, six issues a year, by calling 800-725-1134 or going online to fishgame.com. You can also sign up for three times per week e-newsletters. They current on everything affecting fishing, hunting, shooting, camping, and enjoying the glorious great outdoors. On things like the bait bus, you do any kind of modifications with your hooks? Are you doing extra sharpening or anything in particular that might help with hook set? Or are you just going with what comes right out of the factory? I, I used to sharpen. I used to sharpen the DOA bait buster hooks right out of the out of the pack. I'd sharpen them. Um, I fish a lot with Mark Nichols, the creator. Yep. And uh, he uh, would always remind me, sharpen your hooks, sharpen your hooks, and, and we did that. But now, recently, DOA came out with a new bait buster, a new hook, they, uh, you know, a new weight, the super heavy one, especially good for tarping and casting further distances for them. But it's got a, uh, I think it's like a black nickel hook. I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on it. But it's a lot sharper of a hook. It doesn't need to be sharpened at all. That thing is ready to go. 
And uh, my numbers on tarpon have jumped up big time as far as a hookup ratio mm-hmm. since uh, using that, that new style of hook that they went to. Yeah, so that, I don't sharpen anymore. That's interesting. You know, I like to ask those questions because you got the guys out there that, you know, any any little small detail like that can help that person. Have sharpen, it. yeah, sharpen the hooks when you're throwing anything for a tarpon. If it doesn't, if you poke it in your fingernail and it doesn't just stick into your fingernail, you know, pretty mm-hmm. quickly and stay there. Mm-hmm then you need to sharpen it if you're going to tarpon fish, unless you got the Barry Bond hook set, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I got you. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, and the bass fishermen, you know, I get bass fishing, I like the tarpon fish, and they got a good hook set. And you guys are used to setting the hook with a baitcaster really hard on these bass that are down in the bushes and stuff and yanking them out. And I tell them, like, set the hook like you're setting your on your bass set. Do it, like, three times. And if you survive the first jump or two, we might be onto something, you know. That's funny, you know, because my dad growing up, I would watch Bill dance on TV, and Bill would hook into a brim and set the hook like it was the world record largemouth, and uh, sometimes yeah. fall out of the boat, and I'd be like catching a croaker my, and setting the hook like that, and literally sometimes throwing the fish out of the water after the hook set, you know. My dad would be like, stop Bill dancing them. You don't have to Bill dance them all. I guess if you go tarpon fishing, Bill dance them, baby. Set the hook. Yes, put, some power, back. put some power into that and, uh, you know, go for it. Now, you mentioned the bait buster, but you also mentioned live and dead bait. So what are your key live? Are you fishing mullet? you fishing ballyhoo? Or what's going on in the live and dead bait sector here? Uh, it kind of depends what it kind of depends what's uh, in season. You know, we got we've got a mullet run that happens. We've got a small, like big push of mullet also that happens early in the year, this time of year. Yep. Uh, but September we get like a real mullet run mm-hmm. tons of them and uh that's happening like that normally this time of year i use mullet pinfish early mm-hmm. and then late in the year once the mullet run starts i try to use different stuff because there's there's ten thousand mullet right there what's going to make them pick mine out with a hook even though mine might be swimming a little bit differently and awkwardly because it's got the hook you know but there's still there's so many mullet they can come up and eat one whenever they want i try to be a little bit different when all the baits are zigging i'm trying to be zagging you know and yeah. uh I'll uh, throw so I'll throw a ladyfish out there. I'll throw a, a sand trout, a whiting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whatever I can catch on a fish bite like that, or I can throw my cast net on, you know. And lots of times bait is scarce, and and certain times also. So I'm just taking whatever I can get, you know. And there'll be certain times when I'm sitting at the jetties, and if you're sitting there, I'll, I'll change it up. I'll be on a a bite, a mullet bite. They've been eating mullet and artificials, or they've been eating just mullet. They've been eating nothing. And I'm wondering, why are they eating nothing? And I'm just sitting there looking like, dang, I can't get one to bite. And in this time, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what to happen. I've seen 15 crabs drift past me on the jetty, mm-hmm. just floating, kicking around, fiddler crabs, you know, yep. four inches. I'm like, what the heck? And so I'm like, man, look at all these crabs. They're just nonstop crabs floating by the boat. I'm like, okay, let me throw the cast net on one that's floating past the boat. Put that on there. Five minutes, boom, hook up, you know? Yeah. You got to be able to change it. You got to see what's happening look around you, you know? Yeah, and so you're able to have that. See, a lot of these crabs are just coming in, and you see, and all of a sudden you start looking, and these tarpon aren't rolling. Mm -hmm. They're coming up in there, like slurping, and they're slurping these crabs off the top. That makes sense. You're you're watching what's happening in the environment and responding to that instead of just having a a set pattern, you know, and being able to. It's really slow for me. I start thinking, I start looking at the water, I start looking under the water, I start trying to figure out, trying to crack the code, get a puzzle piece, because these tarpon are super picky, Mm -hmm. super hard to get to eat. They're. Usually they're eating nothing or everything, 
you know, I've noticed the thing that they will eat the most is, uh, you know, a live bait and they'll eat a fly a whole lot. You know, mm -hmm. they love those small little flies too. Um, do you take many clients out fly fishing? I've got just a couple of separate, I'm sorry. I say, do you take many clients out fly fishing? Um, I usually, I don't, I take some, not a lot. I get a lot of clients, a lot of people that will call me and, and ask me for it. But, you know, I know one or two tarpon fly guys here that have a smaller skiff and stuff, and they're true fly fishermen yeah. with passion. And I always suggest that, you know, if you want a true fly fishing experience, mm -hmm. I'll send you with one of those guys. But if you don't, if you don't mind I, if, and you want to come with me, you really like me or you heard me on the radio and you want to hang out, whatever, uh, I can always say I'll get you the shots at them and I kind of know what what they like to eat and whatnot, mm -hmm. but I can't tell you exactly what line to bring and, sure. and yeah. what to do it, you know, but mm -hmm. if you've got your gear and you know what you're doing, a little bit of what you're doing, I can get you the shot with those fish. Yeah, that's cool, man. So you, you're about to mention uh, some other lures. You mentioned the bait buster. You have any, you ever catch them on top waters? You ever throw things like uh, jigging spoons or any of that kind of stuff? Um, I, w I used to throw a lot of poppers for them and they would eat the poppers in top waters just at the treble hooks. They would spit them almost all the time they'll eat a rattle trap they'll eat the heck out of a rattle trap you know mm -hmm. uh but your landing ratio on a rattle trap is not that good i know guys who troll rattle traps for kingfish and once they see a tarpon hit they just floor the boat for like 50 yards trying to set the hook you know wow uh because the rattle traps just fly out it's the bed of nails theory anything with a treble hook you know you could lay down on the bed of nails you're not going to get poked you lay down on one nail you're going to get poked mm -hmm. you know and uh, that's how i feel with tarpon um, so I started getting off of treble hooks and stuff like top water like that. Some people will switch them out for certain things, but uh, I prefer a, a jig, you know, like with a heavy, strong hook, you know, on a soft plastic five-inch bait, something like that. Or I'll do a, uh, a terrorize for the smaller tarpon. Mm -hmm. That's another DOA lure that's yeah. famous for catching tarpon. You've seen it on TV shows, the Blair Wig and stuff where they're twisting and turning underneath the bridges and whatnot, you know, those are on the terrorize of those old school famous shows. And, uh, that's a really good one. Um, I've, I've thrown coon pops and stuff like that before with random soft plastics that I see guys on TV catching them with, or that'll suggest one and send me one in the mail or something, you know, so there's a wide variety, but you know, main thing is live bait. I like to throw the mullet, you know, uh, dead bait. I'll throw pogies at them. Uh, and uh, the artificials is mainly the bait buster and the terrorize. If I had to get, you know, four things going right there, that's it for me. Now, you mentioned the jetties down there at the Port Isabel area. Um, are these fish mainly just dead in the middle of the current, letting things come to them? Or do they venture into some of these big eddies that'll form? Maybe at the end of the jetties around boat cuts and that kind of stuff. I mean, where are you most Both. likely to, to position and find a tarpon? Both. I, I think um, the bigger ones will cruise up and down the jetties. They'll work the rock okay. um, at the beginning, at the end of uh, the tide. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the middle of it, they'll settle down and they'll find a little place they like to hang, whether it's behind an underwater rock with some current mm -hmm. or, or, or what they're doing down there. I don't have it specifically down, but they're hanging out down there somewhere. And then, you know, for a little bit, they'll get up and move and they'll cruise up and down the jetties, you know, and so if you're sitting there, the thing is not to give up on it. You know, the guys that I see that are standing on the jetties that are hooking them are casting and casting and casting, you know, mm -hmm. so the tarpon are just cruising past and uh, you want to line up with them. Mm -hmm. 
So it's kind of like, uh, you know, repetition and uh, pattern casting, working over certain kinds of areas. and just yep, being Yeah, but once you see them rolling, if you can just pay attention after, you know, a few of your trips, you see them rolling in the same areas, which means they might be held up down there or there's something that makes them come up to the top there and they show themselves there. So you can sit there and wait almost or work that area, knowing that either there's bait down there there's a big rock that pushes them up from the bottom so they come to the top and, and roll once or twice real quick. So things like that, which if there's a big, if you're fishing the jetties and there's a big rock down there and the fish got to come up, that's almost like a, you know, a choke point for the mm-hmm. fish. It's, sure. You know, a lateral choke point, you know, rather than like a, a canal mouth or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it'll push them up to the surface. They got a better chance of seeing your bait, finding ways like that that'll, you know, give you a better shot of getting your lure in front of them. You got to get the lure in front of them. Now, when I was down there fishing for snook with you down the Brownsville Channel, we were talking. You mentioned a absolute monster that was caught on your boat uh, in, in fairly recent times. Can you tell us about that monster fish and some of the maybe bigger tarpon you've caught in recent years? Um, that one was a buddy of mine, Andrew Laster. Mm-hmm. He came down and. Um, we were throwing a uh, different, different lures and trolling different baits. And we had a bunch of fish around us and he was throwing a coon pop, big old three ounce coon pop on an 8,000 Shimano Spiros, big old rod, you know, seven foot six. That way you could get away out there, heavy action and, uh, hooks up on this monster fish. It was it's the biggest one I've hooked in Texas on my boat. I've hooked big 200 plus pound fish in both of Grand Florida. But never in Texas. This one was 200 plus. Wow. And uh, he got it to the boat in about an hour and 20 minutes. Got it in and uh, worked it really good. He's a good fisherman. You know, I figured it was going to be a two and a half hour fight or something with the spinning tackle that we had and whatnot. And luckily, good for his, good for him and for the fish. You know, we got it in sooner than later. Sure. And uh, that fish was just an amazing fish. It, it was, we got it both sides. We threw the measuring tape on it and, uh, you know, it was over 80 inches. Wow. And it was definitely a fish that we uh, could have harvested by, you know, legal laws mm-hmm. of, of Texas because they, they had set the length of a harvestment form. I think it's like 83 mm-hmm. inches or something like that because they, that one should be, a potential could be a potential state record, sure, and that's why they're allowing you to keep that one fish if you do. Um, but I, I know the record had just been bumped up to like two thirty-five, I think, from two fifteen. I think this fish was a two hundred fifteen-pound fish, mm-hmm. two hundred ten pounds, something like that. I don't think it was two hundred thirty-five pounds. It was. I could have kept it, taken it back, and it may have been because who, who can tell? You know, sure. twenty pounds yeah, on yeah. a fish like that after fighting it for so long, being all adrenaline. Yeah. And you always got to remember, you're thinking that fish is probably a little bit bigger than it is the second year. You know what I mean? You're all hyped up. It's really easy to, to overestimate a fish 10 seconds after you, you release it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so I decided not to harvest it. Um, I didn't think it was going to blow the record out of the water. That's the only way I would ever harvest one. Um, I respect those fish so much. and I felt like it was close, so we let it go. But it was a 200-pound fish, that's for sure. That was uh, the biggest one ever on, on any of my trips down here well, well, that's a monster um, fish. i personally really caught ma- a couple 180s and stuff now you caught some big ones in florida right yep i've caught some big ones in florida before when i went uh, some buddies out to boca grand mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's amazing. You know, you got these fish in Florida. You got them in Texas. You got them off Grand Isle, Louisiana. You got them in Costa Rica, you know, but they're still mysterious. You know, they're very unique fish. They're this giant trophy fish. I mean, a fly fisherman. I mean, I'd be happy if I caught a three-pounder on my fly rod. I'd be awesome, you know, but, you know, going out and catching a 200-pound fish uh, of any kind is just a magnificent thing, much less one with the with the spirit a tarpon has, you know, the jumping and the, just the beauty, the idea of that silver fish with the red gills flaring out, jumping, that sends chills down the spines of anyone who yep. has any, uh, any sense in the fishing world, man, you got to, you got to respect the tarpon and you've caught some big fish and this big one was one you decided, you know what, even if it is a record, let's just put her back because we don't know. And I respect that. Yep. I, I appreciate that because, you know, uh, there's many forces working against our fisheries we've talked about. And the idea of like, let's let that big fish go. That's a great yep, thing. Yep. It was a Saturday. I could have killed it, brought it back to the dock, hung up from there, but he had a big old crowd, you know, yeah. but, uh, man, those tarpon are special fish. I don't want to do that. You know, I don't have a problem harvesting some re- couple of redfish or something like that for sure. dinner to bring back for my clients and absolutely. whatnot. That's a special fish right there. And if it is not absolutely 100% the new state record, I'm not going to bring it back in. No, that, and that's, even if it was, I'd still have to think about it for a second or two for sure. Man, and that's awesome. Just out of curiosity, how big were the scales on that fish? Oh, man, uh, bigger than the palm of my hand. About really? the palm of my hand, that's wow. for sure. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. Big yeah. fish. I didn't, we did, I didn't uh, see any floating off or none came off, and we didn't pluck one, but yep. you can tell the fish like a fish like that is, is pretty big. I've had them 200 pounds on me get eaten by sharks in Florida yeah. when I was out there, and I found uh, – I got a scale from one of my 200 plus pound fish. Uh, the one I got closest to me that got eaten by a shark and, uh, all only souvenir I got, no picture or nothing was a scale. that's like almost the size of my hand. Crazy. Wow. Uh, that's impressive. Yeah. The scales, the reason I asked the scales of tarpon have always impressed me there. Well, uh, if someone wants to book a tarpon fishing trip or a snook trip or a trout trip, or just go fishing with Brian Barrera, how do they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, they can call me area code 956-755-9413, or they can check out my website, inshorefishingsouthpadre.com. Inshorefishingsouthpadre.com. Well, thanks for taking some time to kick off our flats fishing series. Uh, we appreciate it, Brian. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It's been said that bonefish provide us practice. Tarpon provide us excitement. Permit provide us humility. But what can we provide them in return? are so enriching our lives. Our support for the science behind the fight. Our support for Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Please join us today at BTT.org. These species' well-being depends on You've been listening to Higher Calling Gulf Coast with award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Email him at chester at chestermore.com. Check out his wildlife writings at highercalling.net and find him at the Chester Moore on Instagram.